0: All right, I'd like to welcome Mary back for another episode of The Good Life EDU Podcast. And today's a follow-up conversation to ones that we've had kind of ongoing with regards to the PITSCO Gears-funded robotics purchase that was statewide. That the first round of devices really went out about a year ago. And so there have been two subsequent rounds after that that have continued to provide robotics solutions to schools across our state as a part of that effort. Uh, And so I'm really grateful to welcome back Preston Frazier, who is Nebraska's PITSCO Education Advisor, who has been on the podcast before. So if you want to go back and get all the details of of this purchase uh, and the history with these robotics devices, you can definitely check out that episode. But today we also get the good fortune to welcome Dr. Josh Schneider, who is the Director of Learning at Wahoo Public Schools, and Eric Emerson, who's a middle school science teacher there. And we're going to take this conversation from the statewide level and really focus in on what these devices are doing where they've met both the work at the district and also classroom level. And so, fellas, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. I'm really excited for us to have this conversation. And I'm going to start things off with Preston. Preston, since we last spoke with you, what's been going on?
1: Yeah, so a lot of things have been going on. It's, it's been a wild ride since um, this started it way back in July 2022 when I met Craig Peterson at the ESUCC at the Great Plains Summit there at one of the, the high schools in Lincoln. And it's kind of really... Balloon, as we mentioned before, the backstory is mentioned on the previous episode. But really, since the first implementation of the first round of funding that went out for the purchase of all these devices, it's really been just getting out and supporting different school districts, supporting the ESUs, going to Nebraska-specific conferences, just making sure that these devices and these solutions are getting put to good use within the districts and within the private schools and everywhere that have received these items, we just want to make sure here at Pittsco Education that everyone is getting taken care of and getting supported with the support that they need through the receipt of these solutions. And so one of the events that I went to previously, I think it was in November of 2023, so just right before the new year started, I went to ESU2 in Fremont, and there were probably a dozen or so districts there, one of those districts being Wahoo Public Schools um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to connect with Dr. Snyder at that time, but some of his staff and some of his teachers were there and we connected and had a good time going through the B-Bot and some other solutions that were part of that large initiative. And that robotics day was really just about teaching these teachers and these staff members how to implement these solutions in the classroom. And so we're really trying to focus here at Pitsco Education on doing things similar like that, moving into 2024, going to some other ESUs and talking to all of these other teachers and administrators and and staff members at these districts on how to implement these solutions in the classroom. So,
0: Yeah, because the last thing you want is for all of these devices to be purchased and for them to sit on the shelf or to not make their way into the hands of students. And so uh, that's why we're really grateful to have both Dr. Snyder and Eric Emerson joining us uh, to talk a little bit about what this looks like in their district, because I because I would assume, and hate to ever do that, (laughs) but I would assume that they're not alone at being at this stage of the game, where essentially they have these devices now, and through Preston's support and the support of the ESUs, you start to unbox those, kind of figure out what these devices can do, and then you go, okay, now where does this meet the work that we do in support of students? And so I'm going to actually throw things over Dr. Snyder here real quick uh, to maybe set the table for us in terms of having received these devices, what were some of your initial thoughts or Aspirations, maybe even as well, you might say, with what they could potentially mean for learning.
2: Yeah, Andrew and Preston, thank you. Uh, When we had first heard that there was going to be an opportunity to receive some of these, you know, robotic solutions, the tech, you know, more technologically focused advanced items, uh, we were quite surprised and also very pleased that it was going to be something that we were going to, you know, be able to get our hands on. So, when when we started looking at that, I reached out to mr emerson and and kind of talked through uh, with him and a few other folks uh, within the district, you know where might we see these being utilized? How might we be able to utilize them? obviously with with something like that, you know're filling out a request form or sort of an application process, but uh, with minimal you know restrictions, we do want to make sure that we have use for them. We have a plan somewhat in place that we could utilize or you know will support our current programs. so once that all kind of got started, we were able to select, you know, a handful of items from the list. I assumed it was an approved list, um, maybe that the Coordinating Council and PITSCO had worked on together. And then from that list, you know, we were able to secure some Telodrones, uh, Tetrix Prime robot, robotics kits, some uh, B-Bots and Smart Buddies and some other coding tools that in our district, you know, we're fortunate enough to have people that can support this at the elementary and more middle school, high school area. So we have several solutions at the elementary and then also at the middle school and high school.
0: Well, yeah, you know, Josh, I'll tell you, that was, uh, you're referencing these coming through the CC uh, it was kind of a crazy time. And I know Scott Isaacson or Craig Peterson could speak to it even more so than I could. But there was about a three weeks period of time from the time we learned about the initial purchase to when we actually. Uh, you know, needed to have those orders in place. And I know there was a lot of like work done by Scott Isaacson at that point. And thankfully, Preston had already been in contact with Craig Peterson and through that relationship was able to, uh, in a very expedient and timely fashion, <laughs> leverage uh, that connection in order to to really get us uh, up and going and, and getting the, the first round underway. Uh, and so with that, then, yeah, uh, I'm sure, again, the other districts are kind of finding themselves in the same spot where they're saying, okay, so we got B-BOTS and we've got Tetris prime. And we've got, uh, and so Josh, then what did it look like to take that to the next step? So you you sort of identified the individuals at those different grade bands within your school district. And then, so how do you, uh, and Eric maybe could jump in on this as well. Like where, where does that initial conversation take place? Right. You show up with a robot.
2: Yeah, no, that's the best thing to do is just show up with a robot. You know, it's like bringing treats or, you know, anything (laughs) like it's gotta be the right person though. Right. So yeah, I mean, I in terms of decision making process, you know, in our, in our school district, we want to make sure obviously we're being fiscally responsible. We we, we want to make sure that we're not overstepping, you know, things that we're we would be able to support. We want to see, you know, any kind of materials through a grant like this that would be maximized to their full potential. So obviously, to to do that, it's it's fine to have a person, you know, maybe like myself who dreams big and and has these bright ideas. And Mr. Emerson could probably talk about that a little bit more if he wanted to. He would probably ask me to leave the leave the podcast. But um, so those types of things, you know, we find those staff members who have a passion in those areas. We share some of the information. Uh, obviously, it's kind of like the first questions are going to be, well, what does this mean for me? And then we talk through that. So in terms of that, you know, having staff members at the elementary who, who have participated, you know, in Nita events or other types of training events or, or or attended the ESU training with Preston, you know, there's a passion for that. And we also have a passion, I think, for just from our staff who are saying like, these are good things for kids. These are things that will impact them in the future. These are things that are going to be super important for them, you know, as more and more production becomes automated, as more and more of those things start to happen. It's super important for us to consider that as we move forward. So, yeah, I mean, I showed up basically, yes, to Mr. Emerson's door with a robot and said, hey, what do you think?
3: Yeah, that's true. I can give the other side of that story. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where my story starts. Sometime last year, Dr. Snyder did approach me at my door and said, hey, there might be an opportunity to uh, get some robotics or get some drones in your classroom. And he wondered if I would be interested in something like that. And of course I said, heck yeah, anytime I can get some hands-on technology in my classroom, you know, I'm going to be interested in something like that. So uh, when they showed up, I was pretty excited and obviously very grateful. And then it was just a matter of time of figuring out where and how we're going to fit it into the curriculum. And, and that's something that we're currently working on. And then probably right away, we we kind of treated it as more of like a club participation thing where students would come to my room during study hall or after school and we took the boxes out and did some exploring and that sort of thing. So there wasn't a lot of formality to it right off the bat. This year I feel like I'm getting a little bit more and more intentional about including them in my weekly lesson plans and the goal is that we're going to spend one class period a week, maybe one week a quarter and really diving into these STEM activities.
0: Uh, If you can remember back to last year, then as you were, let's just call it unboxing those different solutions, talk maybe to not only your curiosities or the disposition of your students, uh, I mean, were they like intrigued by those? And then also the process of kind of onboarding to them as well, which I'm sure like anything, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but recapping what that experience was like last spring, if I understand it right.
3: Yeah, when well, we took the uh, boxes out for the first time, they're obviously super excited to to get started and get to work and that sort of thing and I'm eager to learn along with them and but once they open the box and see all the parts that are in there, they can get a little bit overwhelmed because there's 300 pieces or so in that thing and you know, there's beams and brackets and motors and wires and wheels and just all these different pieces staring them in the face. So, really the first thing that we have to do is just kind of organize it. Uh, take out just the pieces that we're going to need for that specific robot, and then it becomes a little bit more manageable. And PITSCO, to its credit, does a really good job of providing some resources. They really appreciated the helpful videos and tutorials that went along, and that got us started on the right track.
0: Yeah, and Preston, we'll put you in at this point in time to say what kind of uh, video supports are, are out there, or how have you all been intentional about that?
1: Yeah, great question. And so as part of this whole initiative and this project, we worked really closely with ESUCC on providing a customized landing slash resource page for everything that was specific to this initiative and this project. It's really just a page that you can go to and it's going to list out every single solution to where you can go to the product page on our website, see all the different various downloads, the the video resources, um, everything for that specific item and solution. It's also going to list some various webinars on some different implementation strategies that we did with some of the other ESUs, Um, and then also some different conferences that we're going to be at throughout the year, as well as some additional order support and product support information. And so we really wanted to make this resource page a central location for everything ESUCC and GEAR funding related, that everything's in one location and easy to get to for the districts and for the teachers and for the administrators and even for the students And so we really wanted to outline that that strong support and then also just me um, within the state whenever I can get there from a support perspective to help out along the way as well. And so there's a lot of support from PITSCO for these districts and for these teachers and ultimately the students, which is what we're all here about as well.
0: Yeah. And I got to say that PITSCO and Preston in particular have been nothing but amazing with regards to the development of that particular page, because PITSCO has a lot of resources and solutions. And so to have curated that down to the ones that were just a part of this purchase, and then even as recently as I'd say last six months, Preston and I have gone back and forth because there was an ask, hey, can we like add some of the specific add-ons that are available for purchase to enhance some of the devices that have been purchase at this point, right? Or you lose a piece or you need something else uh, to maybe extend what you're already doing. So we've got those kind of curated and uh, added there as well. And so then back to Eric, I guess, past that uh, unboxing phase of things. And, and like you said, as you kind of got into this school year and started to think a little bit more, is it fair to say that creatively or intentionally about where this sort of meets the work that you're already doing? Cause it's, first of all, you have to kind of get to where, you know, what the device is capable of. Right. And then having seen that, I'm sure start to then make those connections from there. Is that true to your
3: process or, Yeah, we've already included probably one day a week and dedicated to STEM already. We do all the traditional STEM type things that you see all over the place. We do a lot of the marble roller coasters and the towers and the bridges, the zip lines, uh, the catapults, all those things that you see where you give students a limited amount of supplies and they're required to build those with a certain criteria. So that's why I'm really excited about the Tetrick sets because it gives me the opportunity just to add a little technology to it.
0: Yeah. And what is the benefit do you see of that, right? I mean, I think all of those are valuable learning experiences. So I'm not trying to elevate one over the other. But I, at least personally love like diversity in those learning experiences. So, you know, whether that's building something with popsicle sticks, or (laughs) this is probably very different from something like that. So what would you say is uh, beneficial as far as that goes for learners?
3: Yeah, Dr. Snyder and I were having this conversation earlier. I I just think it's really important that students learn how to do things with their hands. You know, a lot of my students know how to build in Fortnite. They know how to build in Minecraft, right? But they don't have a lot of experience building with their hands in the physical world. So I don't know how many kids are building model airplanes or building tree forts anymore, but probably not a lot of them. You know, I've got a couple of kids that live on farms or they've got experience with Legos and stuff like that, but they just don't have a lot of experience with with the hands-on stuff. So I've been a little bit surprised at how actually challenging building these robots have been for some of them, which is exactly why I like to incorporate them in my curriculum because they need that type of practice.
0: Yeah. And Dr. Snyder, anything uh, you get the opportunity to support Eric, but also others. And so what would you kind of add to your experiences with that?
2: Yeah, I agree 100% with what Mr. Emerson said there. I mean, we we see this society, right? It's very technology has a way of making things happen a lot faster maybe than what they were in the past. And the idea of the incorporation of technology with modeling and building and all of those things has just sped things up to where we have access, you know, instant access to information all the time. So we try to be very mindful from a district perspective that just because it's available in that format doesn't always mean that it's better. So from that regard, I think, you know, when we look at the drone kits and the Tetrix Prime kits, we, we kind of have a little bit of the best of both worlds here. We have the ability to kind of slow things down, to think about design, to think about construction, uh, to think about use. And then we also have the ability for coding, and programming and some of those other pieces, those skills that we know our students are going to need to be successful beyond our time on this earth. So when we think about that, you know, we try to make sure that we're not always purchasing materials that are only digital. We want kids to have their hands on things. I think back to you know Lincoln logs and, and erector sets, you know, we're seeing a lot of those things happen in in the virtual world, but we're not seeing a lot of kids you know, getting together and actually building things on their own. So we want to make sure that there are opportunities for that to occur. And, you know, the solutions that we have so far right now have have done a great job of just beefing up our STEM opportunities here at Wahoo Public.
0: I love that because there is a certain amount of know-how, and I would also say grit, to working through those processes uh, I think of my own son here at Christmas, for example, he's been doing Legos for years, but he got his first Connect set and he got so frustrated with that because it was just a different workflow and different materials. And I got to think that it's probably something akin, maybe not similar, but like in the same vein as what you're talking about there, uh, Eric, as far as the students kind of having to work through that almost productive struggle towards actually getting the technology to a place where then you can leverage it for the other things that like the, the, coding, uh, and and that aspect of what makes those devices valuable to students. And so with that, I guess, like, what have you had the opportunity to do in your class, Mr. Emerson, that you would say is representation of these devices having an impact?
3: Yeah, as you were talking there, I was thinking about a lesson that, you know, we talked a lot about, and you were describing what I call resiliency. That's just the, you know, ability to cope with challenges, right? So, uh, we talk about it's okay to fail. Failure is something that we learn from. Uh, we talk about this isn't like a PlayStation where you can rage quit and just drop the whole thing, right? We can't hit the reset button when something's not going very well. So uh, we we talk a lot about that as we go through because it is challenging for them, like you said. So we have to maintain a positive attitude. We have to view challenges as opportunities and we have to just keep working towards our goals. So we talk a lot about Resiliency and, and not getting frustrated and, and just keep working towards your goal.
0: Yeah. And for folks that maybe are imagining what this might look like in a lesson, but might need that like tangible example, what's one example of a time when students that used this for a specific purpose or as they've leveraged it for its coding or technological strengths or advantages?
3: Well, I could start off by just talking about the wheelie bot. That's the first one that we are. Encouraged to build it's the beginner bot, it's the one that Pitsco recommends that you start with. And it's just a very simple bot with one wheel in the front and two wheels in the back. It's connected together by a frame that the students have to figure out to build. Uh, There's two motors, and it has to be wired exactly the right way. It goes forward, it goes backwards, it turns left and right. So it's a pretty basic bot. But I will say, like I said, it's it's been surprisingly challenging for the students to do the first time. And as we keep going through this, I know there's two more different robots that you can build within the box. I think it'll get easier and easier for them.
0: Yeah. And so with that, then the you have to kind of get into that coding style of thinking, right? Or you have to plan its steps ahead to do the kind of sequential set of actions. Is that fair to say?
3: Um. Yeah. Once it's built, then it's uh, hooked up to a controller. It's a remote control that has two joysticks on it. and there's there's different ways that you can that you can wire it up. But once it's built, we like to give them a little bit of a, a competition. We like to uh, let them just explore the science room floor for a little bit. and then we have a little competition where we throw an obstacle course out there. so they they practice that for a bit and then we we keep track of who had the fastest time. but, on top of that, there are always students that get done a little bit earlier. And what I like to do is just encourage them to use some creative thinking skills and create some modifications that they like to add to it. So we've experimented a little bit with how to increase and decrease the turning radius of the robot, how to speed it up. They often like to just try to make it look cooler. That's another thing that they like to do as well. Well,
0: that's fun. And I, uh, uh, in, the midst of that, too, know that there have been conversations at the ESU level, at least, about creating some resources that could make some of the connections necessary between what these solutions are capable of doing and our standards. And not necessarily as any sort of like mandate, but more so as just a suggestion. And I think sometimes by providing examples, it opens up avenues for people to think even more creatively about the possibilities. Uh, And so I know, Dr. Snyder, is something that you all have been thinking about as well. And so can you maybe speak a little bit to where you're at in that process?
2: Yeah, absolutely. When we first started the the conversation, I mean, it seems uh, relatively straightforward that you would say, oh, this is a place where we would make great science connections. You know, math connections, obviously, also fall into that same realm. Um, However, I mean, beyond those connections, I mean, we, we always look for those connections that directly fit the hard, and I think Mr. Emerson would verify this statement here, but the hard part is oftentimes uh, from a teacher in the implementation phase or the carrying out how we're going to utilize that is they have maybe prescribed or adopted material sets or curriculums and the kits that that we're using now maybe aren't specifically embedded within that. There's not like a logical place where it just says, insert use of drones here, right? So we as educators have to take that Opportunity to kind of step outside the realm, and I know, you know, Eric mentioned this with the students, but from my standpoint, I mentioned this with staff. You know, it's like it's okay to go slow, but we have to just keep going, right? We want to keep moving forward. There's no risk-free decisions, right? There's always going to be some some level of risk in any decision that we make. And I told Eric, I said, I was talking to some other group of people about something else, and there was this great quote. That said, uh, don't let perfect get in the way of progress. At this point, you know we're not worried about being perfect. We're just trying to continue to move forward. So when we do that, we want to look for the connections. Obviously, math, science, you know, anything, technology that we can make. And then we've also chosen to go the direction of the career readiness standards. You know, college and career readiness standards. Because when you look at those at face value, all of those things that we're trying to instill in students that are supported from an academic standpoint, but also from a social, you know, kind of development standpoint. I mean, we want them to develop academic and technical skills, right? We want them to learn how to communicate. We want them to make sense of problems and also persevere in, in solving them. We want them to think critically. We want them to be employable down the road. And a lot of those types of skills are the things that are going to set a highly qualified candidate for a job or a position apart from others, right? That may find it more challenging, or they want to give up in the face of adversity. Uh, so when we look for connections there, we're thinking about more than just the, the academics. But obviously, you know, from a scope and sequence standpoint, from a pacing guide standpoint, from making sure that we are aligned with state standards, we want to make sure that all of those things fit. So is it a bit of a balancing act? Yes. Can it be challenging at times? Yes. But I would challenge Eric to find ways to you know, make that fit or for us to work together to find ways that logically it makes sense for those tools and devices to be used. I mean, that's, that's just where we're at. Uh, that might not be where everybody is in some, some places they might not be, be capable of doing that. In that case, then we might need to step back, you know, and say, okay, what is the connection with science? Math, there are tons of connections mathematically here, right? I mean, so, so if you're looking for those types of connections, they're there. But you know, I applaud Preston for his team's approach and his approach, you know, with supporting that. He's constantly looking to help us. He's reaching out to see how things are going, to see if there's anything that, that we need. And also knowing that the, the survival, I would say, of a project like this, right? like the success of a project like this is going to be based on how people like Eric or myself or other teachers make connections, and they solidify those with things that are like tangible like things that they can achieve with kids and the faster that happens right like the more momentum that's going to occur and then once that momentum gets going then it's right it's really easy to start implementing those things and keep them keep them off of the shelf you know gathering dust
0: you know I, and it maybe is oversimplification to say that i do believe there to be an art and a science to teaching and the science sometimes is what our materials i think predominantly bring and the art becomes a little bit of was incumbent upon the educator to do in their local context and with their particular content area and grade level and uh, as a result of their experience and in part in, as a result of who they are, right? Eric's someone who's, yeah, give me the drones. <laughs> like, And that might not be another teacher down the hall. But when, when you start to find the relationship between those two pieces, uh, art and science, and you use the word balance, I think, Josh, when you were talking about it, I think there's a place for that. And I think there's a challenge that comes with that, whether you are Uh, trying to implement UDL strategies into your materials, or you're trying to figure out how AI technologies can enhance or support the things that you're doing, there's a initial need, I'll play off of AI for a second, to learn out how to interact with the chatbot, and you have to figure out what it can do, what it can't do, and you tinker and you experiment, and I love that, you know, Preston, both in his support, wherever he's needed, <laughs> I mean, Preston uh, and Pisco have been great about just uh, showing up, whether it's at conferences or ESUs or with districts, uh, to step in that space to make sure that, that that's not the barrier Uh, And then there comes a point where, yeah, here in Nebraska, in our local context with our materials, uh, as you mentioned there, the next step then becomes, hey, let's really try to align this uh, with the work that we're doing and see where it makes sense and maybe where it doesn't. And regardless, like to make sure that we're getting started. Uh, and so with that, too, I know I've had conversations with Dorian Avey of the Department of Education saying, hey, can we start to think about maybe trying to come up with a project to bring teachers around an effort like that so we can kind of work better together. And um, so we're certainly having those conversations. Our ESU colleagues have kind of been called for some of that, too. And so I certainly want to recognize that. And that's something that we're we're working on. And so today's just great to give a little space to say, yeah, this is where we're at uh, in that process. As at least what, that's what I'm hearing as I'm going through Preston, what are you thinking as we get a chance to move towards a close here? Half hour goes really fast. But um, what are you thinking as you kind of hear that? I know, like as we've said before, you've been pretty busy.
1: Yeah, I love this. This conversation has been great. I've heard resiliency. I've heard grit in this conversation. And I like to say that here at Pitsco, we like to provide a medium to allow students to learn how to fail. And so with our solutions, and that's that's what it's all about here at, at Pitsco. That's what it's been about since 1971 when we opened the doors and have been around for 52 years is teaching students how to fail through hands-on learning. And so this conversation is has been great. Um, for me personally, I'm, I'm going to be in the state of Nebraska a lot. I'm going to be living the good life. From that standpoint, I'm gonna be going to some different ESUs. I'm going to Nita in March um, in Omaha. I'll be at the Nebraska Career Education Conference in June in Kearney. The admin days in June as well in Kearney, I believe. And so I'm going to be in the state a little bit coming up. Obviously, January has been a little dicey in the Midwest from a weather perspective. And so I haven't been able to get out as much as I had wanted to, but that's definitely going to be picking up. I think one week in April. I'm going to be at three different ESUs, ESU 16, ESU 11, and ESU 13 for one of those robotics days that we've done at, at Fremont, I think three in the, in, in four days in, in a week in April. And so I'm here to support. I'm going to be in the state, going to be at conferences. Um, my contact information is on that resource page as well. And I just want to be there from all over we're all together as a a team here to help these students learn how to get these career-ready skills so that they can be future employees of an organization somewhere else. That's what we're all about. So,
0: Uh, And Dr. Snyder, I know you all have efforts within Wahoo Public Schools uh, that you're looking to bring forward with these solutions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think as Mr. Emerson so eloquently stated earlier, uh, it is really about making sure that we can provide experiences, you know, we we say our mission and vision is inspiring our students to thrive. And when we look at that, you know, right, it's it is really hard to thrive if we want to rage quit, right? It's really hard to thrive if we're not very resilient. It's really hard to thrive if we don't know how to work productively within a team. So those types of things, right, like those experiences, where there's, we're achieving multiple outcomes, right? Like we're able to achieve an academic technical kind of outcome from utilizing the tools, but we're also able to strengthen those other, you know, soft skill outcomes that really go a long way in future success of our students. So when we look at that, I mean, we're getting, we're getting the best of both worlds, you know, first attempt at learning, I think right is that the is that the old mantra for fail fail so right so we we want our kids to know right if it doesn't go well the first time, that's okay. you know there's no risk free decisions, right so we're we're always going to be thinking about that, but we want to obviously try to put ourselves in the best position to be successful down the road and the access and the opportunities that Mr. Emerson can provide in his classroom and and the rest of our staff can provide through helping to teach those lessons, you know, with devices like the Tetrix Prime robots or the drones and, and some of those activities, just do do nothing but heighten those uh, overall goals for us.
0: Well, I appreciate everybody's vision and heart for moving this effort to a place where students are able to then take advantage of the great resource that this has been. And as that grows, I know that we're always better together, whether that come from PITSCO, our district level support, classroom teachers, Uh, ESUs and the CC, uh, we're all in this. And so I uh, have a lot of links to share in the show notes. So for those listening in, uh, you can definitely check that out for our Pitsco Plus ESU CC gears page with all the uh, resources we referenced where you can also reach out to Preston. Uh, If you're interested in just... Uh, sharing your story or letting us know that you're interested in collaborative efforts moving forward for making connections between this and uh, materials, uh, certainly reach out uh, to me. I'd be really happy to learn about what's going on and and hopefully add you to a growing number of folks that are in an effort to support this at this next phase of where we're headed. And from there, yeah, we'll just try to add as many resources as we possibly can (laughs) because we want to be supportive. And the thing that I want to close with today is just to say thank you to everyone that's on here. Uh, it takes effort, it takes intentionality, uh, it takes being thoughtful, and, and it also takes your time to share on a podcast. So uh, I'm grateful to everyone for those things and more uh, for being on today. And so thank you. And uh, I'm excited too for us to double back at some point uh, to revisit this conversation with Mr. Emerson and with Dr. Schneider uh, and see where this effort is, um, you know, six months from now or maybe even next school year. So everyone, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you. Thank you.